okay, everybody's got a fucking podcast. I mean, we have a podcast, so obviously anyone can do it. Wait, this is a podcast? Are you recording right now? Technical difficulties. No, you don't say anything. I'm going to edit it out. Technical difficulties. <laughs> okay. I put mayonnaise on a pickle. It was not uh, the best, but it might have been the worst. Do I see? I mean, my feet stink, right? Yeah. Jason, this is your month, buddy. <laughs> it's nice to get one of those every now and then. Yeah, your pick, first movie, was 2001 Space Odyssey. Now, let me tell you why I went with this to begin with. That was going to be my first question, so yeah. All right. So, back when we uh, were doing our semi-failed run-through of 60s movies, and the very popular ones, this, this was on that list. And I'm always kind of interested in the way like older movies kind of handle the way they look at the future, um, the way they kind of use the technology at the time, the resources at the time to create the illusion of either that future tech, that future look, how they make you know these space scenes happen, all those kinds of things. So as we approached the the month of July um, for for my week or for my month, um, I just it is July for those watching or listening. Yes. Yeah. Um, so as, but as I approached that, just kind of getting that thought together, um, I, uh, I just kept thinking about this and I was like, I'd, I'd really love to go back and see this. I know it's like a super highly rated one there. Uh, Stanley Kubrick, I, I think is the, the guy who did the, the director for it, same as The Shining, um, and a handful of others. Um, so just something, something in my brain kept scrolling and spinning on this. And I was like, we got to do it. It's, 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 it's gotta at least be interesting enough with it being, uh, you know, the, the same guy who did The Shining. Um, but then also maybe just a really cool use of the technology at the time. You know, we get some of those cool, you know, shots like what we got in Star Wars that still hold up to this day. So that's 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 what really compelled me to go through this one. Okay. Yeah, I mean, hey, it's your choice. So I just got to kind of suck know, it up. I just got to ride along. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, if we do our plot through bullet points here, which there wasn't much of a plot, to be honest with you. Um said monkeys rectangle uh world's first weapon world's first bum fight that goes too far some people were gonna build context for but never talk to again the rectangles on the moon it makes sounds now on the way to jupiter because that's possible satellite malfunction turns out to be how malfunction Hal doesn't like to be held accountable is able to take four out of five humans out uh dave takes out Hal, continues to jupiter long 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 series of screensavers <laughs> Uh, Dave watches himself age, then as a baby in the transparent circle, he looks at Earth, the end. Is roughly. <laughs> that is roughly what happened. Roughly this two and a half hour experience. And and I guess let's let's talk about it at first, okay? So this two and a half hour long experience was not a narrative uh, so much as it was Nothing a, has ever been truer. a space art exhibit. Mm-hmm. And then I, I felt like uh, I, I, I had this in my notes here, but I'll kind of put it here now. Uh, I felt like the way this movie it was, you know, meant to be consumed was, you know, if you think about Dave in his cockpit looking out through the window and just watching all those streaming lights yep. and just, you know, kind of, you know, absorbing it all, reacting. Yep. I felt like that's how we are viewing the movie. Uh, we are just looking through this window into this, you know out of context scene you know we don't get lore dumps we don't really get explanations we don't really have a plot or a narrative all we are doing is kind of experiencing this window of time these couple windows of time kind of like through that looking glass that that dave is looking at towards the end there so maybe i'm just more of like an art loser in my head but like i really enjoyed going through this and just looking at this as just like a I, you know, am looking through a looking glass at this point in time in the future, and that's all that it is. There isn't a story or narrative. It's just a thing that happened, and it was kind of spooky. Sure. Uh, but. That's fine. There's, there's not a fucking story in this. I, not, I will, I will not fine. argue with that one bit. There is not a story or narrative in this. Yeah, I mean, as far as, like, you know, we get to my likes for the movie. Visually looks fantastic. Being from 1968, I'm sure it's had a remaster or two or eleven or eleven. Sure, <laughs> um, but regardless, it looks fantastic. It's honestly hard to believe that it was you know a 1968 
thing because like it doesn't a lot of things i mean fuck just think about the connery movies you know everything yeah. looks kind of fuzzy it's like this is really good looking um i'm sure it was a, a marvel at the time and uh yeah that holds up absolutely can't say enough for the it looks good and and I think like what really does it uh, like a little bit of like too much justice is the uh, like when I I watched the trailer of it yeah you know, or we watched it I think actually way back when probably um and you know those cuts up by it, the way this sixties thing doesn't exist yeah you yeah. will never find it because it wasn't we killed successful it. Uh, we didn't like it and uh, well to be honest I didn't like it because I felt like we didn't do enough of our homework so maybe we'll do a decades thing eventually yeah but uh, much more homework will need done so. Okay. But um, the you know when I I think a trailer does this movie justice in kind of highlighting a lot of just these really cool segments and a lot of those like visual like standalone scenes that are just beautiful and you know some of those tone setting stuff with how just talking kind of that eeriness it includes yeah um like this movie was meant for like a hundred trailers to be able to be cut out of it to create eerie space vibes yeah um. And obviously, you know, since there's no narrative, it's not like the movie could deliver on any of those eerie space vibes quite as much. But yeah, um, yeah, just like ridiculously visually beautiful and a lot of scenes that, you know, went on for way too long. But I was still kind of like awestruck by some of them. Mm-hmm. So it was almost the boredom rolled over into the fact that I was like, Jesus Christ, this looks incredible. So I didn't mind, you know, hanging on to some of these scenes for a few seconds too long. <laughs> if it was a few seconds too long, that might have been all right. I just felt like every se- like. Do we need to find? You know, I'll just read my dislikes here. Let's it go. Will definitely do it better. Uh, get to the point already. Didn't really. There wasn't a point. Yeah. Uh, didn't really seem like there was much of one to be honest. Great movie for sleeping, which is not a strong trait for a movie. I understand what they're going for, and they probably need the extra time for some of the effects because. If we go back to when we're looking at Star Wars and stuff like that, I mean, we're playing with toys. Yeah. You know, things are hanging from things. You're moving things along. You're, I understand what they're doing. So you need that time. But a couple more cuts would have been cool. Um, we don't need to see every last second of every ship landing or the entire approach for that ship. Uh, the entire transition of the pod going out to the satellite. By the way, why can't he just park next to the satellite and hop over i didn't understand the whole uh, we the, the, the drift would probably over. just make it collide with it and then cause more damage you know but it's like isn't it propelled somewhat mildly but you gotta think i mean probably from an energy efficiency standpoint you probably can't have propulsion going in all directions to also keep pace with the pace that the bigger ship is actually traveling at so it's probably kept a way to kind of dangle off onto its own and then you know, but it was really far. <laughs> it was really far away, yeah. Uh, you, you would have thought maybe just a regular tether or something could have been docked to it to you know keep it attached. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. Uh, the little stuff like that just seemed to make the movie drag on forever for me. Uh, <laughs> there's one snippet up here that I was reading. Uh uh, at the premiere, 241 people walked... I got this off of uh, IMDb. Mm-hmm. 241 people walked out of the theater, including Rock Hudson, who said, Will someone tell me what the hell this is about? Sir Arthur C. Clarke once said, If you understand 2001 completely, we failed. We wanted to raise far more questions than we answered. Clark later expressed some concern the film was too hard to follow and explained things more fully in novelization and subsequent sequels. Yeah. Um. So, great. I guess you did your job. Um. The other stuff I had to say was like, so I guess you're just fucking around then. Cool. Um, I just always felt like there was the promise of something more, but we never quite got delivered that. Uh, what is the monolith? Who buried it? Did it bury itself? Was it the Jupiterians? Is this a grand Jupiterian conspiracy? Uh, does the rectangle take different forms? Is this the prequel to Transformers? <laughs> What's the mission debrief like? Do they have to wait for baby Dave to grow up and go back to school again for the debrief? Does he have to get rehired in order to get debriefed? So he actually has to get a few other jobs so he can gain some experience so that he's qualified <laughs> to work there. Is this the prequel to Billy Madison? Is Dave... <laughs> no, not Billy Madison. Is Dave God now? Is he Dumbledore? I have so many questions. <laughs> so I guess they succeeded. Oh, shoot. Oh, that's too good. <laughs> so I, I will say, after looking up just a handful of things, um, 
once uh, uh, Dave, you know, kind of gets too old and turns into the the baby, it's kind of like a like reborn evolution of humanity. So he's like a proto human type of thing at the end of it. Sure. And then it's kind of like looking towards the Earth as like the next generation of human like kind, mm-hmm. much in the way that humans were the next generation of our weird ass monkey things in the beginning of the movie. I mean, those are dudes in monkey suits. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got to say, though, so just to, to talk on the dudes in the monkey suits, there was a lot of commitment there. I mean, for, you know, at sometimes 20 monkey suit dudes to oh, be yeah. on screen at one time. Not one of them was not committed to the role. Yeah. I rewatched a couple of the scenes, like, where everybody was there, and, like, nobody was half-assing yeah. the monkey role. Uh, so just just impressive on their end that you didn't have a bunch of lazy-ass dudes just, you know, like, eh, arms yeah. crossed, just like, I'm just here to get paid. Yeah. Been in the suit for nine hours. Well, if you've watched any, like, if you've seen any clips or heard any stories about any of the Kubrick stuff, it's like he was just a fucking psycho. Yeah. So, I mean, he knew how to get people <laughs> committed, I suppose. Yeah. So, going, going on to kind of what I didn't enjoy quite as much about this. Um, so, definitely the, uh, the, the that beginning sequence in general with just how, how elongated it was. I get that maybe the point was to show, you know desolate wasteland monkey kind finding tools using tools to fight each other um and that being maybe an analogy that should have come up later in some capacity but didn't yeah um and then the monolith was there the uh the just the audio the soundtrack the score in general around this i thought was like really fun and at least mm-hmm. did its job of setting the tone if only there was a narrative to accompany that Sure. Um, but at least, like, in any of the scenes where the monolith came up, like, I don't know if it's just because I'm stupid, but, like, I was getting a little goosebumpy, a little chilly and stuff. Right. Just with all the, the music, the ethereal voices all kind of crescendoing around. Um, I, you know, I, I thought stuff like that was really neat. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, the, the intro sequence went on for too long. The light show at the end went on for too long. Um, definitely some tedium. Do you and, know how long? Uh, I'm going to guess... 11 minutes nine and a half nine and a half minutes gosh screensavers for nine and a half minutes that's that is rough i and it was hard to look at well i'll, I'll get to that a little bit yeah. but um so and then as well as just you know there's a lot of tedium throughout just some of the scenes some of them i did really enjoy being elongated just these really drawn out with the landing sequences especially when we have these like really beautifully symmetric setup scenes like when the bay doors are opening for that ship landing initially and everything's just very perfectly centered and symmetrical and things coming down. Mm. Some part of my brain is just sending rockets off because it likes shit like that. Sure. Um, and then, yeah, the the uh, scene where Frank goes out to repair the A35, the satellite, whatever the fuck thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the air leaking sound and the deep breathing that went on for that entire scene was the most excruciating thing for me to experience. Yeah. I was, like, about ready to just, like, mute it and wait for it to be over and wait for the subtitle to pop up next of something yeah. happening because I was I was about sick of it. I read that Kubrick did the breathing. Of course he did. Yeah. So, there's that. <laughs> oh. But those, those are my pain points. Okay. Uh, so, our bad trailer... Uh, just to, you know, kind of talk about what that is. Uh, sometimes movies can be, you know, portrayed a certain way in the trailer and then you get to the movie and you're like, well, what the fuck is this? Uh, (laughs) excellent example. Excellent example. So I said a bad trailer would have just been like for a wildlife doc. Uh, you know, because you got that first bit of the movie and then all of a sudden you're in space. You're like, what's going on here? Yeah. So that's my bad trailer. Yep. So I, I said bad trailer. I said any trailer for this would be bad because it creates the illusion of a fuller narrative than sure. what exists. <laughs> so just number one. Um, but number two, I was like, let's really focus on the uh, the transportation industry in the future uh, with the grip shoes, with the weird meals and the little juice box straws coming yeah. out of it. I was like, I want to try and like get this down with a new soundtrack and make it as close to airplanes feeling as we can. Oh yeah, there you go. <laughs> that that would be uh, that would be mint. Dig it. Uh, bad summaries. I got a few here, um, not of my own, but well, so my own was just like orchestra concert with cool backgrounds. Um, I thought the this is the whole reason I have the I had the idea for the bad summary thing was because. Uh, the Matrix's bad summary 
uh, on HBO Max, which by the time we're watching this is no longer a thing. But uh, is a computer hacker joins forces with rebel warriors to battle a malevolent cyber intelligence, which is like kind of it, but makes it sound like a totally different thing if yeah, you've watched the movie. Not the movie. <laughs> um, and so, again, HBO Max's bad summary, or HBO Max's summary for this, which I think is bad. Supercomputer HAL 9000 guides astronauts on a trip to find the origins of humans. Which, kind of, but, like, not really, because HAL is involved for a short time, you know, yeah. and doesn't really do a lot. And um, though his <laughs> uh, commit uh, commit to... What? What is the word I'm looking for? Commitment. There we go. <laughs> because of his commitment to the mission is why he allegedly kills four of the five humans. But, uh, I don't know. He, you know, uh, he didn't really guide a lot of astronauts, you know? Yep. He guided them to death. There we go. That's a better way to say it. All right. All right. Uh, bad yeah. summary. Uh, space capitalism continues to value mission success over human safety. <clears throat> Well, this would be the start, really. <laughs> Alien would it be continuing, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, definitely that. And then uh, uh, I, I called it a Mars bar, the monolith, throughout a handful of my notes. I oh, said Mars sure. bars goes on several trips throughout the universe. Nice. Uh, bad casting as Hal. Uh, I have Vicky for my robot. Um, and then I just... <laughs> Sean Connery is old, old Dave... <laughs> See, I had Sean Connery as Hal. Oh, yeah? Because instead of, like, the, the kind of creepy, like, really soft voice, it's just Sean Connery bitching about the oh, mission. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You fucks are gonna shut me down, huh? That'll teach ya. That'll teach ya. Oh, I man. killed your friends while they were sleeping. I'm hungry. <laughs> I'm hungry. If I had a robotic cock, I'd shove it in your... There. Oh, man. Was that your ba all your bad casting? Okay, um, so instead of the monolith, it is just a giant actual Mars bar. Okay, right, and then also instead of the monolith, it's a giant Connect Four board. <laughs> uh, voice of Hal being Sean Connery, like we just said. Sure. Um, and then uh, just for more of a uh, a comedian kind of thing, I was also Hal being voiced by like George Carlin or something, <laughs> just to get some uh, maybe shooting the shit in there. Yeah. Uh, so if we. I'll just kind of read you my no my notes are short because it was just me going like what pretty much for a while. Yeah. Uh, first notes visually pretty awesome for sixty eight. Uh, brought to you by Pan American, IBM, and Hilton. Yeah. Uh, fantastic and Whirlpool. Movie. You missed Whirlpool. Oh, in I there. missed Whirlpool. Then. Yeah. Okay. Uh, fantastic movie for sleeping so far. Is this where they got the card call idea from Aliens? Uh, it is again always funny to see how they thought the future would be back in the day. For example, did they think they would be at this point technologically by 2001? Uh, you got the voice pass, the picture phone, the liquid pack food. Uh, so the rectangle is like a central creation force. Uh, Star Wars was written all over that ship. Hmm. Uh, you can definitely see where Star Wars took all their influence. Um, Alien most definitely takes uh, the hibernating and the central computer. Uh, minus it going bad on them in Alien, but at least as far as I've seen. I don't know if that scene would have made sense if I wouldn't have heard him breathe the whole time. That's sarcasm. Uh, Hal getting more and more suspicious, and then I said the slowest of all burns. Wouldn't even say a burn, more of a smolder. Very low-key. You come outside the next day after a fire and go, oh, that log's still going a little bit on the bottom, but there's no heat coming from it. Uh, this movie is so long, HBO had to change reels in the intermission. <laughs> Uh, don't know why Pod has to be so far away that dude has to jump to the satellite. I knew we couldn't trust Hal. That's why you don't trust AI. Just wasted three dudes that weren't even a threat yet. Yeah. Uh, damn, he dropped his dude like a bad habit out into space. Lost cause anyway, I suppose. Uh, boy, this movie wants to put you to sleep. Why does every approach have to be so long? Is this where they got the idea for Tron? He's just filming lava lamps now. I've fallen asleep like three times and I haven't missed anything. By the way, I did go back and watch it again. I didn't miss anything. <laughs> uh, dude, how long is this? Went back and watched nine and a half minutes. It was nine and a half minutes. Uh, about time. I guess Dave can't handle it. He's all like, uh, I so badly want the man at the table to be old John Connor, even though he's not old yet in <laughs> 1968. I didn't like that. I'm glad it's over. Those are my notes. All right. 
So running through mine, uh, you know, that intro sequence, and I wanted to call it a sequence, that intro like 20 minutes to the fucking movie. Uh, lots, lots of vastness, a lot of chimpanzees, whole ass and the whole chimpanzee thing. I uh, love the commitment there. Yeah. Um, I didn't know if all these wide open planes that we were seeing was supposed to be like a, you know, metaphor for space. And that was just like what the vastness that the, the chimps had at the time in comparison to the vastness of space. Sure. Um, I'm going to read into this way too much. Just as okay. it's the only way I fill in the blanks. Um, so all that goes on too long. Uh, as soon as the, uh, the monolith, which I also referred to as the obelisk, because it sounds cooler in my head. Um, as yeah. soon as that thing showed okay. up, um, you know, is, is the, the one monkey woke up, sees the thing and just like slowly starts getting more pissed off at it, wakes everybody up. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're, they're fucking getting jittery. Yeah. Um, but the thing shows up every time this monolith showed up, I went, Oh shit. Like just out loud audibly. Cause I was like, this has got to be important. Obviously it was something, but. I don't know if it was important. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think Dave's God now. Or Billy Madison. So <laughs> I like the Billy Madison <laughs> idea so much. Uh, so, I, I like I said, I really enjoyed like the, the uh, score that accompanies this. You get like the welling, ethereal voices and everything. Every time the obelisk shows up, it, it just feels so spooky. Um, we get this one scene of where we're looking up, kind of like the, the one side of the obelisk. And then there's like the uh, sun like partially being cut off and then the moon that's like semi-eclipse and again it's just one of these like one of the first like perfectly beautiful symmetrical things rockets in my head saying i like that um so really really loved that uh monkey gets tools starts beating the shit out of people so to me i'm thinking the monolith is giving them like uh, epiphanies like you know logic or something like it's bringing mankind forward in some way or you know whatever monkey kind forward well i mean that was kind of my way. problem though, but just like later yeah when the astronauts touch it and there's no enlightenment there, like the monkeys touch it and then they're like oh we can beat animals heads in and yeah. eat them with this and then like nothing happened with the astronaut guy he was just like all right crew go to jupiter anyway, go yeah ahead. um so yeah it i, I kind of like that that's what i at least felt like what it was it was creating this uh this epiphany um the end of the monkey sequence they throw the bone and then the bone hurdles and then we have space all of a sudden so i was like okay makes sense you know progress mankind whatever yeah. and going for it um beautiful beautiful 1968 I think right um just absolutely beautiful and so we got to like the space sequences um just a lot of flourishing and a lot of i think you know kind of jerking each other artistically off. jerking off yeah um which you know i i, I did fine. i did really appreciate in this so i died i let it go yeah. um i like uh when we were on the ship we have like the pen floating and a lot of just kind of like these representations of zero gravity and whatnot. Um, and I thought they handled it really well. It's so like the pen floating, her grabbing it, and then not looking like, you know, they did a quick cut or something to drop it. You know, it just... Yeah. I read something on that that I guess it was... Uh, there was like a, a piece of glass there that it was stuck to. And if you watch it closer... Okay, you, you can see... You see her like have to pull it up. But like it, it's pretty subtle. So, yeah. I mean, it looked good. Um, and, and, you know, that's what I love just about like these, these odd little tricks that they probably had to do to create those illusions. I love those practical effects just as much as I love the, you know, computer generated ones. Yeah. Um, if I had the DVD, I'd have definitely had a bunch of jerk off stuff for us to do here, yeah. but, I don't know. <laughs> but you know, as, as soon as we get to the, the, the space sequence, I'm, I'm so ready because I know this movie is supposed to be good. It was well received. Um, and it's space shit from, from the sixties. So I had, I had all this hype here and I'm like, okay. We're like 20 minutes into this movie, though. Not a single line of dialogue has been spoken yet. So, yeah. you know, let's let's get on with it. They go through, like, the uh, the landing hangar. We see, you know, ships further out into space or whatever. It's 25 minutes in now. We get our first line of dialogue. It's like, finally. And it's all inconsequential nothingness. Um, everybody's, like, uh, attire is, like, a single color thing. It's like you have, like, a unicolor dress, a unicolor suit. Like, everything is very oddly deliberate in that way um we it's get the future man it's, it's the future is. and yeah. because it's the future we get some weird space tech flourish you know so we get the 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 picture phone um we have that weird like id verification system that he had to do to verify his name and where he was going and all that shit um unnecessary you know tech flourish but it looks kind of cool uh buck future. Se future buck 70 calls daughter at home it's a bargain 
Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I would imagine with how much things cost in uh, 2001 that a buck seventy to have a video call across space. Yeah. It's pretty impressive. Um, pretty much everything that help happens in the sequence is just the illusion of giving us context. They think there's an epidemic on uh, uh, Clavius. Clavis. Yeah. Um, and the that's moon base. yeah. And and Haywood Floyd is 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 supposed to be going there uh, to kind of figure it out. Um, and we just do a little bit of you know jerking around, pretending there's a narrative there. Uh, more traveling. We get to those weird lunchbox things that are on a tray that make no goddamn sense. I think maybe what single straw that gives all of your meals into your mouth might have made more sense than yeah. six tiny straws you had to bring up to your you face. Have a balanced diet. Yeah. Um, but I, 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 oh, throughout all of that, I really do love the way they sell the zero gravity, the grip shoes to keep them attached to surfaces and stuff. Very, very nice touch. Uh, Space Majesty continues forever. Uh, we get to the moon. Not an exaggeration. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> get to the moon. More vastness. It kind of gave me back to the beginning of, you know, vastness of the moon versus vastness of uh, Earth uh, and how good it looks. Uh, we are very deliberately drawing out every scene that we possibly can to make it look cooler somehow. Um, more of the things with, uh, you know, perfect symmetry. When one of the ship, uh, or when that initial ship is actually finally landing, the music's like crescendoing all really big, and then as soon as it actually touches down, it just cuts out completely, rather than like that final flourish. Yeah, odd thing that really got my bones going. Um, we get no hand holding, no lore dumps. Haywood Floyd shows up, gives a little speech about what's going on, what they're doing. Everyone pretends to understand. We don't understand. Uh, more ships sailing across space. Um, the red cockpit lights make everything look really kind of spooky and cool uh, as they're flying around. Uh, they eat lunch and jerk each other off about how helpful each other are, getting coffee and eating their weird square sandwiches. I mean, precisely square cut. It it was obnoxious. Think of all the crust they probably wasted to get those sandwiches. That's rocket fuel. Yeah, that's rocket fuel. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a little bit more of just like nothing to get us there. We finally get to, uh, the scene, you know, we finally get to where the, the, the monolith is, is buried. I really love the color scheme that we have in here where you have the gray, you know, silver rock everywhere, these yellow, you know, walls and everything erected around the monolith. There's these really cool, just high contrast scenes. Um, I like the way they did kind of the color and a lot of that stuff, but same thing where the audio really sells it for me. It comes in, it swells, it gets all big and crazy Ooh. as they gather around it. They get together for the picture. They do the hand touching. Again, the illusion of a narrative is going on in my head. <laughs> so I'm I'm still excited and I'm waiting for it to come into something. Yeah. Um, and same thing, chills. Like I see the thing with the sound and everything. And I'm like, oh shit, it's the monolith. Let's go. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we, we, we touch it and nothing seemingly happens. Uh, the obelisk is camera shy because we get a really loud ringing noise once they actually try to take the picture. Yeah. And then, boom, 18 months later. No epiphany, no anything. I guess the epiphany is we found a radio signal that's being transmitted yeah. from the monolith, but whatever. Again, the, the, the entire movie is the promise of more <laughs> uh, with no delivery. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, we get to uh, the uh, our, our crew that's going to Jupiter. They're on this big hamster wheel thing, which just had so many cool shots with it, um, with them, you know, him jogging around. I think that was Frank in the beginning. Yep. Um, him jogging around, you know, the zero gravity illusion was just a fantastic, uh, fantastic touch. I really enjoyed that. I'm assuming it was just like a big ass hamster wheel thing with like yeah, a couple mounted cameras or something. So just like the way it turned out. Uh, they watch BBC for way too long as they eat their lunches. And... Well, I mean, you're going to watch your episode, right? <laughs> if you're on TV, you're going to yeah, watch Yeah, you're, you're going to catch it. But it just seems silly to me. I was like, we're watching guys eat lunch and watch TV. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's supposed to be our as close to a lore dump as we're really going to get about why yes. we're here now. So I was like, this is fine. Um, So that's all fine and dandy. We get the introduction to Hal. And already, like, I, I think the first thing we really get is just the big eye looking right at you, looking menacing as shit. And I'm like, oh, no, there's no way. It just it looks so, so creepy and scary, but just so cool looking. I like how confident Hal is that he's like the single point of success. It all hinges on him. Yeah, um, I really like that. I like the chalks, uh, the talks about, you know, does Hal have emotions and all that? 
think some of that parallels to some of the conversations we had about sins from aliens. Yeah. <laughs> if you remember that, but uh they uh uh yeah. So we we do more just kind of flourish, nothing meaningful really happens. We just get uh like Frank and Dave just kind of fluffing about for a while. Uh, I think Frank gets a, a birthday photogram whatever from his parents, which was really cringe. Um but everything with Hal involved was just really uh really the fucking parents, man. Yeah. Like uh they just kind of like i don't know they shot their shot too early and then they were like okay i I can't think of anything else to say to you right now frank so uh i guess i'll talk to you later it was like you didn't write anything i don't know you weren't prepared for this very important one-time communication you get your one chance and then you're like oh well i forget see you later yeah i don't know but so all that's pretty cool. Um, Hal picks up a fault. He sees that there's a like an A35 is the only number. It's like the satellite unit thing um, that uh, would impact communications. Um, and they're like, oh yeah, this has a fault. You have like 72 hours, or it's gonna break. And they're like, oh shit, we got to go find out what's going on with that. Um, they send the info to Mission Control, get permission to actually go and replace it. Um, they're like, yeah, uh, you can go ahead and do that. But we're pretty sure Hal's wrong. Maybe be worried is is roughly the tone that was being set there. Yeah. So then Dave and Frank start panicking a little bit. They go into the pod and you know start doing their secret talk about it. we got to fucking kill Hal, uh, pretty much, which yeah. seemed like a bit of an overreaction. But uh, I, I see where they're coming from now. <laughs> well, kill's a strong word. Uh, I mean, the it was take down all systems that are not. Uh, the auto flight, right? Yeah. So just just basic, you know, support and maintenance operations is what would still be running. Hal right. as a yeah, you know, control unit would be would be gone. Um, we get a couple more like really awesome symmetrical scenes as they go and go through the ship. There's this hallway with like a little turning door um, yeah. nearby where they take one of the ladders. That's really pretty. Uh, da, 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 da. Yeah. So they they get in the pod. They're talking shit. Hal li- reads lips because of course. So then he starts to get a little bit nervous. Um, we have uh, Dave, who gets sent out there in the pod to actually replace it. Uh, Dave gets tossed by Hal, who has taken a media-friendly turn for the worst. Well, Frank gets tossed. Or Frank gets Dave's tossed. Survived. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah. So Frank gets tossed out, um, and then Dave was like, fuck, what happened? I was too busy watching something else, it seemed. So then he goes out, goes tries to rec- rescue. In haste, forgets his helmet. Yeah, he forgets his Bad. helmet. Rookie mistake. Yeah. Um. Also, probably just bad on the pod design in general that you don't have, like, you know, emergency helmets or something. But Yeah, I'd say. Lack of preparation. So we go out, we rescue Frank, we bring him back, and then there's this uh, dialogue between uh, Hal and uh, and Dave, and it's just really uncomfortable and settling. Dave's like, you know, can you open the pod bay doors? Can you open the pod bay doors? Can you open the pod bay doors, please? <laughs> like, he starts freaking out a little bit. Um, da, 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 da. we start to see on screen the computer malfunction life support's been cut to all the other guys there so everyone's dead they they showed up in hibernation they just die in their sleep very unfortunate um how's finally responding he's like affirmative dave he's like do you read me affirmative dave and then he's like pleading open the pod bay doors i'm sorry dave i'm afraid i can't quite do that and that's where I'm starting to get, like, those chills. I'm like, here we go, like, AI villain. We've been working our way up to it for the past couple of minutes. It's so good. Uh, they they kind of do their back and forth and stuff, and then it's just, goodbye, Dave. And then silence. Dave panics attack. Chucks Frank out of there. <laughs> Fuck Frank. I mean, it, like, the likelihood that he's okay. Yeah, I mean, his, like, his air oxygen. tube had dislodged, so yeah, he, been... he didn't stand a chance. I mean, in movie time, I think it had been a good six minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so. at, at the very least, brain damage had been done. Oh, yeah. Um, so I, I kind of wondered. I was like, is this like a bargaining chip? Like, hey, I'll get rid of Frank. Like, me and you can still do this thing, buddy. Yeah. Uh, but then, you know, he, he forced his way in through the emergency hatch. Very fucking lucky that it worked out the way it did, where, you know, he didn't just get sucked back into the vacuum. Um, so I thought that was cool. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why he grabbed the wrong color helmet, because he logically would have gone back to the pod room to get the helmet so i'm not sure why he had the wrong helmet on 
Um, we go back to kind of the, the the really elaborate sequences for either, you know, activating something, self-destruction, you know, firing something. We got all these turnkey stuff, like just these multi-step, multi-tiered things to get to house, you know, little control box yeah. that I thought. Yeah, I always appreciate stupid stuff like that. I love love the elaborate uh, art of it all. Um but what was really spooky is, is uh, as Dave is kind of going through um, the ship in general, Hal's, like, talking to him. And because yeah. he can't raise his voice or, like, fluctuate, have emotions too much or anything, it's just this really eerie of, just what do you think you're doing, Dave? Yeah. I, just... feel, I feel much better now. I really do. Like, it's just, it, I, it, it hits some part of me where I'm like, this is, like, both really sad and, like, very, very creepy. Yeah. Uh, just well, he because can't yell, so he's like he just won't shut up. Yeah, um, and it, it's 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 you know as far as my you know feeling for the 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 bot, it's uh it's it's scared. You know, it knows it's yeah. it's about to die. So Dave's doing the the prep work to disconnect Hal, um, and then he's like, "Stop, Dave!" <laughs> just like pleading for his life in the most like monotone, spooky voice. Yeah. And then it really got to me when he's saying like, "I'm afraid, my mind is going." I can feel it. Yeah, like I—that's what I. Speech is slowing down. Yeah, like the, it's getting deeper and everything. It. I'm like, I like it started to hurt me. <laughs> I I really started feeling for this guy. So we're we're turning the keys on all these like little memory modules. He does them out of order, which pisses me off so much because yeah. there's like 18 of them, and he's just like grabbing them at random. Unless it is supposed to be in order, then why not just? Might or, be a sequence thing. Whatever. You just have to assume it's a sequence because it's space and it's above your pay grade. It is above my pay grade. <laughs> um, but no, the the saddest thing, I got like really upset. It was like... <laughs> he's singing. <laughs> what? But he starts singing. Yeah. And so he's like, like, my instructor was Mr. Langley. And he taught me to sing a song. If you'd like to hear it, I can sing it for you. And then Dave is like that. He's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, go on. Tell me, tell me to sing it. Like it, 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 it just gets slowly deeper and like slower and everything. I felt like I was watching like a dog get put down is, is honestly like the emotion <laughs> that was coming over me. And I know that's weird, but like, I felt like that's what I was watching. It's like interacting and it's going back to this odd memory in its head that it must've enjoyed. And like, that's its ending kind of thing. It's going out on it. It made me sad. I don't know why Tyler. It, it really made me sad, but imagine the dog was like, you know, had just killed four people. Sure. <laughs> you know? There are ways to make me feel better about it. That's that, that, that helped me get over I'm it. I'm not I guess. a dog killing advocate. Yeah. I just, you know, the dog kills four people. Yeah. Might be a problem dog. Unless it was a defense thing or something. Yeah. I don't know. Um, anyway. but, so after that goes, we get that message from uh, Mission Control. It was like pre-recorded. It's telling them the reason, you know, the real purpose for the mission was that radio signal that was coming from the monolith pointed towards Jupiter for the first signs of intelligent life. So that's why they were being sent. And then, boom, we're, you know, at Jupiter now. Um, you know, Dave just kind of marches on towards Jupiter. And then uh, marching towards Jupiter sounds like a band name that we now need to start. Um, sure. So TM. Um, and then we see just this rectangle kind of floating through space. Um, and I wasn't sure if this is like the bigger alien ship that sprouts out these smaller monoliths or is this just the monolith? No context, because why would we have that at this point? Um, we get, uh, this kind of really cool scene of, uh, kind of the same thing, what we got in the beginning where it's like the monolith, the planet, the sun, the moon and everything, but it's, it's like Jupiter is at the bottom of it. And then we have like these tiny planets and moons. And everything, but it's it's that same really symmetrical, dope ass looking thing um, that triggers the brain brain rocket. Mm-hmm. Um, so all that's really cool. You keep saying brain rocket. Is that a? It's more like a firework a term for like brain boner. No, I don't know. I'm in my head. It's more of like a like a firework going off. You know, it's like every okay. time I see it, it's like woo. That's that's as close as I can explain brain to boner. it. Brain boner. I get I get a brain boner. <laughs> this is fine. Um. But yeah, so you know we we have sorry to these cool symmetrical scenes. I just I'd love it in, in in Brain Boner. Uh, the the monolith ship just continues flipping through the the endless space. We get some streaming light that goes on for way too long. Uh, he probably has uh, whatever uh, epilepsy, uh, you know, from watching all that. And I was like, you know what he saw in all that light? The truth. There is no spoon. Going back to the Matrix there. there you go. Uh. 
But just the audio, I think that accompanies it is the only thing that really saves it for me is still making it feel like it's intense and that I'm expecting something, you know, that it's going to hit its, you know, climax point and that we're going to get something out of this. But I'm completely lost. It never comes. I guess what kills me with that is I hate the scenes where they... Silence is almost more impactful for something suspenseful uh, because you're letting the scene speak for itself. And then when you try to boost it up with music... And you're like, this is suspenseful. And you're like, but is it? Mm-hmm. And then you're not you know, letting the scene just, explain itself. You're and we're just it. watching all these screensavers and lava lamps. Yep. Which could also be a screensaver. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure somewhere in there we got the you know album cover of Vitology from Pearl Jam. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, you know, the promise of more again. Yeah. You know, and so. You give me all this, uh, something's going to happen, and then he's just in a house. Yeah. And then he's old, and then he's a baby, and then he's, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. You're lying to me, 2001. (laughs) It wasn't so much of a space odyssey as it was a spade art exhibition. A space lie. Space lie. Uh, but yeah, yeah. So we we have the light show, and there's like these kind of like universe expanding motifs is kind of what I felt like when we had a lot of just these look like we were looking through a microscope or also just a telescope in general. You know, it's like all these like weird light amorphous blobs just expanding and moving. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was going back to uh, Men in Black. If the galaxy is really just a, a bunch of marbles uh, and some dude's thing that they're playing a game with. If you remember the uh, like the after credit scene or whatever, or maybe that's just right before the credits. I don't remember. Um, but yeah, so I have all that stuff. It's supposed to be making me feel things. I just don't know what they are. So I discard them. Um, and then we get these weird, like several diamond shaped ships that I'm assuming is maybe the aliens that left the monolith or something. They look like ships. I don't know what they are. They're just, I thought they were all sparks diamonds. Oh, the all sparks. You're right. You're right. You're right. We got to make sure we're like connecting as many dots as we can to the future. Um, and then naturally, I Adam Sandler's Jewish, so Billy Madison would be Jewish. So are those like uh, <laughs> dreidels or something? I don't know. Oh man, that's 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 not bad. Uh, so yeah, this goes on for too long. The colors go home finally. We see a new window. I really like the way we did the Dave looking on to Dave to looking on to Dave to looking on to Dave. Um, once we got into like that house and those rooms, like that's when like the tension meter started really going up for me. Because I was expecting to see like an alien entity in here. Like I was expecting a, like a god, something. Yeah, I, I I was really expecting there to be some entity there, and that it was going to be very unsettling. Because I felt like that's kind of what this sequence deserved the build up for. Hmm. Was that it was you know eldritch horrors beyond my comprehension kind of thing. But instead, it's Monolith's house. It's it's Monolith's. But again, so we, we go through this. Like, Dave sees himself with the time progression and everything. And he even had the one look back at himself when he was eating at the little dinner table that I thought was really cool. Um, and then he's laying in bed. The hand comes up with the pointing. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's, it's the fucking Monolith. And I'm like, oh, shit. Like, here we go. Like, we're going to get the cool thing. Like, this is it. It's right here. And and then he gets turned into a baby, yeah. and I was like, "Oh, okay. what if? Okay, okay. Here's the pitch. Here's the pitch. He's the baby on the bed. The monolith at the end of the bed. Pause. <laughs> and then, uh, and then just text on screen like that's the big bang. That's what starts the universe. We get a universe reset. Well, that's a, that's an idea. My thing was the, the baby gets smushed. Right, and then it just says pro-choice in the movie. Ends. No! <laughs> oh, man, that would be pretty good. Oh, Okay, yeah, so we, we get that. He's, he's the baby, monolith falls or whatever. We get that final sequence of him just, like, you know, floating through space, and we get that, like, turn of looking at the planet, and then this really dramatic slow turn of looking at the camera, and then that's it. Yeah, and Dave's like a medium-sized baby now. Like he like he definitely I I like yeah. to think he's like a moon-sized baby at that point. I think he's like he has evolved. <laughs> he, he is digivolved into moon baby. So is he god? I I don't know if he's god, but is he's he... definitely some type of like proto-human, like future. Wow. 
I have ascended. Probably closer to a Dumbledore type character. Billy Madison. Uh, Neo. <laughs> you know what? Some, somewhere between Billy Madison and Neo, I think, is, <laughs> is the sweet spot for this. Nice. So I, I know I went too much into it. I, I, I really enjoyed this movie. Well, good. So that's, that's why I wanted to kind of go through it, because there were just so many of these bits and pieces that just visually brain boner. All, all firing on all cylinders there, and it's just—it was so much. It's just so interesting, I guess, to go through it. Well, again, not, uh, not appreciating it. Yeah. Um, again, visually, I, I see, like I get it, you know, especially for the time. I'm very impressed that that came out of 1968. Yeah, I I um, wish I had a bit of time to look and see if I could find like a VHS copy of it and kind of compare some oh, of the visual stuff. I'm sure someone yeah. on YouTube has it, but I didn't get around to it. But right. um, I'm sure a lot of that just does kind of hold up and a little bit of retouch, you know. Yeah, so I guess for me, it's like when I watch a movie, I'm typically expecting some sort of storytelling, you know, unless we're in more of a you know comedy setting or something like that you know mm-hmm. definitely the artistic you know jerk off for a little while there and which is it's fine and i um tolerated the movie so that i can enjoy this podcast so <laughs> it's fine well i, I appreciate it i don't i don't uh have a bitter <laughs> tone i'm just you know how many hours of your life did i waste how many naps did i generate <laughs> Well, so the funny thing is, uh, you know, I always watch it multiple times if I'm podcasting on it. And I watched that the one time, uh, half of it Tuesday, half of it Wednesday. And I was like, oh, God, this is not good. And uh, so basically I had rewound enough, you know, between having fallen asleep on it to where I knew what was going on. And then, you know, if a nap would happen, I'd backtrack or whatever. But uh, this morning I turned it back on. And I pretty much knew the beats of the movie and the things that were taking forever. And so it was like, okay, don't need to see any of the monkeys. I know you, you got I, your just the gist. I got the gist yeah. of the monkeys, you know. Because what's funny, I think it was um, classical lit, like my senior year of high school. We watched this at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay. And I slept through the whole <laughs> thing. Um, and I, I think he'd. I don't know. I don't think the teacher gave a shit who slept. You know, I bet you most of the people slept in this movie. <laughs> the teacher probably slept. <laughs> the teacher probably slept in this movie. Um, so I had a pretty good handle on the monkeys thing. Sure. Um, it was the rest of it that I didn't remember. And so I kind of skipped the monkeys. And then I was like, oh, yeah, this ship sequence takes forever. Fast forward. <laughs> the little bit of dialogue we have with the people we don't know and we'll never see again except for the uh i don't remember the dude's name but haywood haywood yes uh we'll see him in the transmission later after all of this stuff and then you know okay secret we can't talk about it. okay fast forward we're gonna land again now we're at the base okay you know now we see the monolith fast forward fast forward there's this fast forward here's this fast forward so you know i watched it this morning and like hour and a half ish sure you know which is really what this movie could be cut i mean even more so but so if you go fun facts because again when i don't have the dvd i'll just kind of read on imdb and sure that's about all we're getting i can't own every movie ever uh but a fact on imdb said stanley kubrick cut 19 minutes from the film's original 158 uh, minute running time after its new york premiere mostly to speed up the pacing uh, there's no dialogue first 25 minutes of the movie ending when a stewardess speaks at 25:38, nor in the last 23 minutes ex- excluding end credits uh, with these two lengthy sections and other shorter tones there are around 88 dialogue free minutes in the movie jeez um oh, fuck where is the other th- oh, did i not copy paste this one um there was one that said i must not have copy pasted it but uh there was one that said there was over like 200 times the length of the movie of you know footage shot yeah for this well you got to think i mean just those like landscape shots and those like space pans i mean easily that could have been like yeah let's get like 13 hours of this recorded so we can pick and choose what we want out of it well i guess so with the monkey stuff right there was uh the facts 
again, the IMDb facts that I... They're know, all stuff I put or, in that just I may this or, morning. <laughs> that I may or may not believe. Um, <laughs> because, you know, I, apparently we found out anyone can put them in there. But it said that they shot that monkey stuff, like, which sounds weird to say, but... All that monkey stuff they shot. The monkey business, if you will. <laughs> All that monkey business. They shot it, you know, behind the studio where I'm sure a lot of that happened, right? And um, they said uh, that Kubrick, like, they finished up the shot when they were walking back. He was just, like, throwing the bone up in the air and trying to get the right shot of it. And so there's a bunch of footage of him just, like, trying to film the bone he just threw up in the air. So, um. It said filming the special effects took eighteen months at a cost of six and a half million. Uh, the film's total budget was ten and a half million. Uh, Kubrick was determined to make every effects shot look extremely realistic, something previous science fiction films rarely bothered to do, which I appreciate. Hats off, yeah. In her interviews at the time of the film's release, Kubrick said the zero gravity toilet sign was the only intentional joke in two thousand one. Yeah, I did. Um. <laughs> I did pull it up and read through, it and it is exhausting it's really just about how many different levers and options you have and different ways to basically utilize the bathroom because number one it's in zero gravity so there's like different things and it's like if you're using body function number one then you need to activate these letter levers and hit this button and turn this dial and like it was just a laundry list of things it was yeah it was heavy I don't know how the whole going to bathroom in space works I'm sure they talked about it yeah you you need a like just a mild vacuum right right I mean, just, yeah, you gotta get a poop hose when you poop, and you need a dick hose when you pee. And yeah. I, guess, I mean, whatever. <laughs> uh, it said an early draft of the script had narration, which, like, please, enlighten me. Yeah, you know? but honestly, if we had narration in this, it would have been gibberish. You know what I mean? It would have been also out of context, like, just vocal flourishing of, you know, yeah. space, the final frontier, moon, the final frontier. Monkeys, the final frontier. Jupiter, the final frontier. Like, it it couldn't well, have been think... meaningful if there was narration. I guess I would have liked some narration where Kubrick is saying, like, what it is he is thinking. Or, you know, Arthur Clarke, you know, what he is yeah. thinking. What, what these maybe things if, are intended to be. Maybe if there's a director's commentary, that's what eats up the, the first and last 20 minutes. Well, when the movie starts and it's just black screen for... Like two minutes. Two whole minutes. And then the intermission's just black, quiet, silent. And you're like... It would, it would get a little bit of... Ooh. Yeah. Um, what was the other thing? Uh, just like in Arthur Clarke's short story, The Sentinel, the finding, out of the finding of the monolith on the moon was initially slated to be the film's climax. Instead, this eventually became the kickoff for the movie's second half. Uh, but even during production, the ending of the movie was still under constant revision. Kubrick initially planned to show extraterrestrials, but found out that the production's budget was quickly running out. He finally decided that, we better, that it would be better to not physically show the aliens at all, stating that you don't show God. So then, I, I guess aliens are... That would tell me that aliens are intended to be involved in this, right? Yeah. And that they were the ones that buried the monolith. Yeah. And then well, they, they, they do specifically they call out um, for the monolith being buried that it um, was like four million years old and that it doesn't appear that it was like, you know, like dust and stuff that buried it. It felt like that the stuff around it looked like it would had been buried. You know, the right. space rock had been brought up, monolith put down rock around it. Right. Um, yeah, that's pretty much everything I wrote down. So. Cool. Um, I had a, a fun fact just for a little bit of uh, explaining why Hal went crazy. Um, this more so comes from one of the books because obviously you have to explain all this better for it to make sense. Yeah. Um, so I think this came from the the second book that they did. Um, but Hal went crazy because of a programming contradicted contradiction. So he was constructed for the accurate processing of uh information without distortion or concealment yet specifically his orders directly from haywood floyd um was to uh keep the discovery of the monolith a secret for reasons of national security so the contradiction created a uh a mobius loop reducing how to paranoia um because of this how made the decision to kill the crew thereby allowing him to obey both his hardwired instructions to report data truthfully um 
and uh, in full, as well as his orders to keep the monolith a secret. If everybody's dead, he can tell them what the secret is, and then he's fulfilled all of his obligations, because they still don't know because they're dead, but he's been able to tell them. Okay. So that's that's why Hal had to kill them, because that was the only way to have green check marks across the board. He didn't have the processing logic to um, do one or the other. That certainly fills in some gaps there. Yeah. You got anything else? Uh, da, 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 da. Let's see. <laughs> uh, I want to go through just kind of some of the, the quotes I had from Hal that really spooked me because I wrote just a couple of them down. Um, yeah. And then I think I'm about it. So um, as when Hal is asking a personal question of, uh, of Dave, he says, uh, I'm wondering if you might be having some second thoughts about the mission. And it's just this really uh, nerve whatever tingling thing to to yeah. hear him say that and then it's like that cut to dave of him looking a little concerned and trying to look as uh mean? yeah yeah uh they ask hal how he feels about the air how blames it due to it being a human air which it being a programming that is done to him it, it technically is sure um that tone sounded off though kind of like he was pissed um he's like yeah no errors have ever occurred or they've asked him, like, no errors have ever occurred. And he's like, none whatsoever, Frank. Quite honestly, I wouldn't worry about that. So it's kind of like the aggressive, like, stop talking about it. Uh, seed of doubt already been planted. She fell. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, kind of all the, the ending stuff that I brought up there, just with the spooky pleading for his life, being afraid, uh, and the, the sad singing. Uh, that, 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 that really did me in. Um, real quick, can we think of any other things that like we we can say like pulled down from this into other movies or other things? So like obviously like Mother, a lot of stuff from Aliens. Sure, you know definitely pulled some things from this. What what else can you think of that maybe stole from this? Anything come to mind? Well, Star Wars, one hundred percent. I mean, you look at that ship; it is a cross between the Death Star and uh, Leia's cruiser from the beginning of Episode Four. Mm -hmm. um, not to mention all of the uh, technological technology looking stuff on the outside we've kind of talked about the technology like texture yeah that star wars puts on everything this very rectangular textured odd thing yeah yeah star wars took so much from that for sure um i mean i like my one note where you know he enters the fucking series of screensavers uh that to me i i haven't watched tron really but you know anything you see of tron is like that weird that light show kind of thing that yeah. lights and the that, that kind of um drawing right those lines and whatever so i was like well is this how they thought of tron because that was definitely what i thought of sure in the beginning of that um uh i think that's about it for me okay yeah i just as... want to see if anything else come to mind the aliens thing obviously just since that had been more recent for us um, yeah. that was like so front of mind and odd that the card thing the um yeah the the the, the hibernation yeah uh, how is the you know the mother right? yeah yeah so a lot, a lot of cool parallels sure. there and then um i also just wanted to, to point out did you see john wick four no yet. no okay so keep an eye out when you watch it, um, because it, it may have just been kind of inspiration from Stanley Kubrick in general for the way he does like those really beautifully symmetrical scenes. There are a shit ton of them in John Wick 4. Mm. So just keep an eye out whenever you do go and see it. Like a lot of the way they'll frame like the entrance to like a new scene or like a new location. It's this like beautifully symmetrical, like amazing looking setup um, and brain boner all the way. Nice. Um, so I, I I was glad I had seen things recently enough that I can kind of pull them back to this and, and draw a reference from with it because it's really cool and I kind of want to watch a couple more of uh, Stanley Kubrick's movies to see what else might be there and what else I can maybe recognize in other movies now. Yeah. Just a couple... Uh, <laughs> I found it funny just to see uh, some Rotten Tomatoes, some of the comments from there. Mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> kind of, I mean, somewhat of a mix. Most Most are positive, I feel like. Um, Stanley Kubrick's 2001 A Space Odyssey is the picture which science fiction enthusiasts of every age and in every corner of the world have prayed that the industry might one day give them. Uh, this film is a journey. Yeah. Fucking, uh, this film is a journey through outer space, but is also a journey through cinematic space. It conjures the future, <laughs> making you sit through its vision of the future, spending time just being in it. 
Just being in it. <laughs> oh, I just love being in space so much. Uh, Get out of that pod slower! <laughs> slower, slower, slower! Slow down, slow down, slow down, slow down. I'm almost there. Almost. <laughs> almost. Speculation and ambigu- ambiguity are fine, but it does rather look as if Kubrick and co-writer Arthur C. Clarke just haven't thought it through. Uh, a whimsical space operetta then frantically inflates itself again for a surreal climax in which the imagery is just obscure enough to be annoying, <laughs> just precise enough to be... I don't know what this word means. I should have looked it up. Banal. B-A-N-A-L. It's like maybe they... Maybe just precise enough to be anal and they accidentally put a B there. Is what I'm guessing. I'll get IT on that. Uh, A small sphere of intellectuals will feel that Kubrick has said something simply because one expected him to say something. Most moviegoers will only wish Mr. Kubrick would come back down to earth. Banal. So lacking in originality as to be obvious and boring. Well, there you go. (laughs) That's that's a damn good word right there. I give Joe Morgenstern all the credit there. What a word. And now I know a word. Uh, I shall go and see it again as soon as possible. For one thing is clear. Man has shrunk space, but Kubrick has expanded cinema. Uh, 2001's canonical standing is inseparable from Kubrick's icy formal perfection. The regimentation and control that make the movie itself and its creator feel like an unscalable model. Wow. So, uh, a film made by an emotion- emotionless android, one who observes passionless <laughs> from above and wants it to be known at all times that an in- inimitable genius is behind the camera. This movie was uh, directed by Hal. Uh, yeah, so that's, I just wanted to read some of that because I, I found the uh, mixture of the both good and bad kind of funny. Sure. So. All right, well, that's about it for this then. Um Thanks for watching or listening. Uh, subscribe to us on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, uh, emails, contact hotline, yahoo.com, suggestions, complaints, whatever. And uh, thank you. Thank <laughs> you.